You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. After this, there is no turning back. 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 Are you happy? You know, happiness is not something that you seek. It's something that you choose. It is not a result of circumstances, but really it's a matter of discipline. A happy person is one who has chosen to be so, regardless of what is going on in his or her life. They know that circumstances are like the weather, right? Storms, sunshine, it comes and goes. Eternal happiness begins with the choice and the discipline to be effective in response to your intention. If you were to ask someone right now what is wrong in their life, I guarantee you they would most likely be able to express, and often with great fervor and enthusiasm, a number of things that they would happily change. But if you ask someone what is going well in their life, you will often be greeted with this pause, as if it is an unsettling inquiry. Why? Why does it seem so much easier for us to focus on what is not instead of what is? So here's my invitation for you. Take a moment to take inventory of your week so far. What are six things Yes, I said six. Six things that have been great about this week specifically. What are six things that have made you happy this week? And if you cannot answer, that's an indication that you are focusing on all that is wrong in your life. All that is not in your life. You may be sabotaging yourself by always focusing on the lack and limitation that is in your life. Success can only be appreciated if you notice it. So what are you doing well? And feel free to call in and share your six things with me. I would love to hear it. And I hope that you are having a fantastic day because, as you know, this day it's never coming again. Hello, boys and girls. This is your old pal, Stinky Whizzleteats. This is a song about a whale. No! This is a song about being happy. That's right. It's the happy, happy, joy, joy song. Happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy. 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 I don't think you're happy enough. That's right. I'll teach you to be happy. I'll teach your grandmother to suck eggs. Now, boys and girls, let's try it again. Happy, happy, joy, joy, 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 happy, happy, joy, joy. If you ain't the granddaddy of all liars, the little critters of nature, they don't know that they're ugly. 
That's very funny. A fly marrying a bumblebee. I told you I'd shoot, but you didn't believe me. Why didn't you believe me? Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy. I think one of the biggest obstacles for us reaching happiness is not a lack of knowledge. I think we oftentimes know the things that can make us happy, but I think we don't do those things. And I think that that's one of the most uh, frustrating parts as a researcher is that we can provide information, but information alone doesn't cause transformation. You can read a hundred books, uh, self-help books on meditation and never attempt meditation at all. You can say, well, that's a great idea. I know a lot about meditation, but you've never actually experienced any of the cathartic effects or the ways that it retrains the brain. What we're attempting to do in positive psychology is study, how do we get over that barrier? How do we get from knowing what we should do to actually doing it. And I think that the biggest challenge to that is something we call activation energy. Not only is it a challenge, I think it's actually the key to us being able to do the things we really want to do. So um, activation energy is the energy it takes to start a task. In chemistry and physics back in high school, if you can remember back to those days, you know uh, that uh, activation energy is the energy it takes to start a chain reaction, to start uh, to catalyze a reaction. Once you've got that initial investment of energy, which is at the highest point at the beginning of the formula, then the rest of the formula can continue. The same is true with us. If you want to catalyze a reaction in your life, if you want to create a change in your life in terms of your happiness or your success rates, there's an initial investment of energy, which is at the highest point at the beginning of the formula. It's the reason why we procrastinate. We procrastinate because we wait for our stress level to crest up higher than the energy it takes to start the task. It also, it also means that it often takes more mental energy to start the task than actually to do the task. Now, here's the exciting part. What we discovered is that if you slightly change that activation energy up or down, you can make it significantly easier to stop negative habits and to start positive ones. So, for example, I was watching too much television. And what I was finding was that every day I'd come home from work and I'd be tired and it would be very easy, low activation energy, to press the on button on my remote control. So I just took a stopwatch, walked my batteries out of the remote control, walked them 20 seconds away to my bedroom and left the batteries there. I then came home for the next couple of days from work, sat down on the couch, forgot that I had taken the batteries out. So I pressed the on button, got frustrated. And my brain says, well, why don't we just go get the batteries and we can start watching TV. And my brain says, no, it takes forever to go get those batteries. Let's do something else. What I had done was I had magnified in my brain the distance between starting the activity and doing the activity. I increased the activation energy. And suddenly my brain didn't want to do that. The path of least resistance led away from television and towards things that were closer. So I put work I needed to do on one side of the sofa, the other side. I had a book that I've always wanted to read that was on my shelf. I had even told people I'd read this book. So I had it there so I could read. I had a journal open so I could journal. I had a guitar within reach. So what I did was I made it significantly easier to do the things that I wanted to do, the things that were easier. So what 
what we're doing there is we're manipulating the energy it takes to start a task. That just means changing your environment and being conscious about it. So, for example, I wanted to start exercising in the morning. And I knew exercise uh, would raise your IQ at work. I knew it's the equivalent of taking an antidepressant. But every morning, information is not transformation. So what I did at one night after trying this for about a year and a half to get myself to exercise, I just moved my athletic shoes right next to my bed. So I lowered the activation energy in the morning and I put a workout routine on the wall. So I wouldn't argue with myself. And I just, I just went to sleep in my gym clothes for a period of just 21 days, which is how long it takes to create a habit. And what I found was just by making it slightly easier in the morning, it was maybe easier by even just 20 seconds in the morning. What we find is that that was enough for my brain to start tipping towards doing those positive habits. So I think what it is, it's not necessarily just learning about what causes us to be happy. I think it's learning about how we can actually do those things. So look around at your life. Think about the things you know would make you happier and more successful and find some way of making it easier to do those and harder to do the things that are the negative habits. And in doing so, you can change your environment to work for you.
Mr. False comfort. Because? If you say to me, when were you happiest? Mom. Tell me the moment you were happiest. I know. I know. It was years ago. Yeah. All you're saying is, you were once young. <laughs> I remember one morning, getting up at dawn, there was such a sense of possibility. You know, that feeling? And I, and I remember thinking to myself, so this is the beginning of happiness. This is where it starts. And of course, there'll always be more. <laughs> Never occurred to me. It wasn't the beginning. It was happiness. It was the moment. Right then. Well, this is the way that I think of it. Let me break it down. The world is a big drive-through window. And we are always placing an order. So if you want that single with cheese, tomato, and ketchup, then it's probably more effective to ask for it rather than just waiting to see if the right order will appear. So order up. Order what you want. Know what you want. Ask for what you want. Take the steps that are within your power to pave the way for its arrival. And expect it. Expect it. You ordered it. It's coming. Now, this is important to remember. The universe makes no judgments. It simply fulfills your requests. So, wherever you are directing your time, thoughts, energy, words, and attention is what you will get. Good or bad. So, you will either receive what you really, really want. Or, you will receive what you really, really don't want. That which receives the most invested energy wins. So, what do you want? I'll have two number nines, a number nine large, a number six with extra dip, a number seven, two number 45s, one with cheese, and a large soap. The reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. That was George Bernard Shaw. This is The Pill, your daily dose for what ails you. That little smile says, Mark uh -oh. Ward, Chicago people. <laughs> That's right. There's something that needs to happen in my life before I can be at peace. Something happened in the past that should not have happened. Something is happening now that should not be happening. How do we um, make peace yes. with the background unhappiness of uh, our lives? Yes, You're, you recognize the background unhappiness as not a 
content-based, but as structural. It's the structure of the egoic mind to create that. And no matter what situation, if you haven't tackled or recognized the, the structure of the ego in yourself as certain thought forms that repeat themselves, no matter what situation you go into, they will come up in some new form, but basically the same structure. <laughs> I got it. I got it. So, so many people were uh, writing about this on the web. Yes. Um, the secret to happiness, everybody, page 115. There are three words that convey the secret of the art of living, the secret of all success and happiness. One with life. Being one with life is being one with now, you say. You then realize that you don't live your life, but life lives you. Life is the dancer, and you are the dance. I have to tell you, I love this book, but I was like, gee, I thought life was the, was the dance, and I was the dancer. <laughs> and there are a lot of people on, on the web who are saying the same thing. Can you explain how life is the dancer, and we are the dance? Why aren't we the dancer? Life is dancing the dance of form, one could say. Every human being and everything, that's, everything that exists is part of the dance of life. Uh -huh. That which moves you, the very consciousness that animates your being, that, that animates every cell of your body, that produces thoughts too, uh -huh. the very consciousness that you are is the one universal, the one life. Okay. And that permeates everything. It's so the entire universe is permeated by that consciousness, by life, which is okay. another word for God. God. Uh, I don't see God as an entity that ha is in a particular place somewhere, uh -huh. but as the essence, the, the intelligence, the animating life essence behind all life forms. It's the eternal. The totality. Yes. So let me ask you the big question. You have no fear of death? No. No. The ego has dissolved, and so only the ego fears death. I know there is no death. You know there is no death. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell me how. I have a little thing at the end of this chapter. I know, you say the uh, incontrovertible proof of immortality. I read that and I went, okay, well, I read that, I still... I've done a little thing I did there. Usually when people talk about immortality, they use certain arguments, perhaps from physics. They say the, the energy gets never is destroyed. Energy can only become transformed. That's right, transformed. So the vital energy that is your life, because energy cannot be destroyed, must survive in some form. That's often the argument for the survival of that life there is no death, only the form right. dissolves. Okay, so continuing here. So there is no such thing as my life, and I don't have a life. life. I am life. life. I and life are one. It cannot be otherwise. So how could I lose my life? How can I lose something that I don't have in the first place? How can I lose something that I am? It is impossible. No, so no. what is happening here is, I just got it, hello, 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 bing, 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 <laughs> I got it. We are confusing um, the I am life force yes. with our bodies. Yes, yes. We're confusing that. Yes, that's right, that's right. So when this dies and becomes the shell and dissipates and the atoms go wherever they go, back into the ground, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, 
we are confusing that which is the physical form, yes. the human, we're confusing that with the being. Yes, yeah. right. And they are separate. Take your fucking pills! So then, deep down in their soul, but then they never end. There's a whole bunch of reasons trying to get out, but they can't make it out of the dark. Wash my faith in dirty water Cause it gives my mind a little order And I play that game just like I should do But my whole world slips away Change my life. 
dark out. I'm near the window with coffee and the usual early morning stuff that passes for thought. When I see the boy and his friend walking up the road to deliver the newspaper, they wear caps and sweaters and one boy has a bag over his shoulder. They are so happy. They aren't saying anything, these boys. I think if they could, they would take each other's arm. It's early in the morning, and they are doing this thing together. They come on slowly. The sky is taking on light, though the moon still hangs pale over the water. Such beauty that for a minute, death and ambition, even love, doesn't enter into this. Happiness. It comes on unexpectedly and goes beyond, really, any early morning talk about it. It's a hunt. It's a pursuit. It's a constant thing. It's going on all the time. And when you're in the middle of it, in motion, that's when you feel your best. But the discomfort of that motion makes people so uneasy that they feel like, well, I'm going to go through this discomfort and then I'm going to get to a place of stillness where it's all going to make sense. Finally, I made it. I'm here to tell you that fucking place doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It's not a real place. It's a place that people look to as an inspirational goal, a destination. And that's going to be the thing that you work hard for. You're going you're gonna to push until you get to this place, and then it's all going to be worth it. That place is not real. If you have a million dollars, you want a billion. If you have a big house, you want a bigger house. You have to find out what actually makes you happy. And it's not, it's not having all your ducks in a row on paper. It's improvement. It's improvement in the way you manage your mind. It's improvement in the way you manage your emotions. It's understanding how you've made mistakes and how to improve upon them, and also understanding what you've done right and building upon that. All of those things are what make people happy, including love and friendship and being good at that, being a good friend, being a good lover, being a good neighbor. All those things, those aren't distractions. Those are part of the big overall of being a human being. Hey there, 
Welcome to Life Noggin. So happiness is important, but did you know that there is actual science behind it? Listen to this. Smiling alone can actually make you happier. A University of Kansas study had volunteers fake a smile, prop up a smile with chopsticks, make a neutral expression, and a genuine smile. They were doing this all while dunking their hands in ice water. The volunteers that smiled, whether fake or not, reported lower heart rates and reduced stress levels. Smiling releases endorphins that combat stress-inducing chemicals like adrenaline. So fake a smile and see if it makes you happier your body probably can't tell the difference. Not only can moving your face muscles improve your mood, but regular exercise is also associated with improved mental health. Exercise can also trigger your body to release endorphins. Even just a little exercise a day makes you feel better. One study compared a popular antidepressant medication to exercise and found that both were equally as effective in improving mood. And as an added happy bonus, when you exercise, you actually become more energized and upbeat. This is because the tiny organs located in your cells called the mitochondria gives the body energy. The harder you work, the harder they work. So start working out and flex a smile. Have you ever eaten a meal and found you were happier afterwards? Some foods like comfort food remind us of childhood memories or happier times and by eating these foods it mentally sends us back to those days. While comfort foods may help us on a psychological level, other foods contain certain compounds that can physically affect brain chemistry on a deeper level. Serotonin is a neurotransmitter that is most linked to happiness. It helps with the regulation of both pain and sleep. Spinach, Turkey and bananas, for example, aid in the production of serotonin, making you feel happier. So there you have it. There really is science behind happiness. What are some things that make you happy? I love a good pixelated turkey. Or tell us, what should we talk about next? Don't forget to come back every Monday for a brand new video. I'm Blocko, this has been Life Noggin, and don't forget to keep on thinking. I guess that you could say that I had forgotten what happiness was. What it looked like, what it felt like, whether... I've ever really had any of it. I'm not miserable, though <laughs> I sound miserable, though, don't I? My mom will talk about her fondness, her longing for these holidays long ago when the entire family was together. And when I listen to her recollection, I, you know, I too can get caught up in that desire. The only obstacle is that I was actually there. I was present. And her memory has been, well, let's just say that it's been romanticized. It's been edited, enhanced to fit a reality that in my experience never really existed. Is that what we do? Do we take our memories and create happy accounts to make it all seem worthwhile? I don't know. For me, what was only serves me in clarifying what I want now. Happiness is more choice than circumstance, don't you think? I mean, though circumstances can certainly inspire happiness, I find that there are many days when I am functioning absent any real feeling. I've gotten to the point where not feeling bad, not feeling anxious, not being worried... Those are all good days, right? So that must be happiness. Well, obviously, I've set the bar too low. One thing that I know is that faith meets expectation. Where you direct your attention, your expectancy is that which you will receive. Always. The universe will arise in response to your invitation. So maybe... It's time to raise the bar. 
I don't want to just get through it, whatever the it is at the time. I want to be happy doing it. So the order of the day is happiness. I am going to allow it, knowing, knowing that my choosing it sometimes again and again and again and again is all that it will take to actually experience it. So you know what? Bring it. That freedom, that power, it makes me happy. Sometimes I call people just to say hi. Mark, I love no purpose callings. I think they're the best. That's the, the majority of the ones I do are absolutely no purpose. So you can uh, call in and do absolutely no purpose callings. There's a thing you see now, absolutely no purpose callings. It's a whole new trend on uh, Anchor. Um, <laughs> so thank you. My, uh, my Monday, I'm just finishing, coming, walking back from counselling. And it's, I don't know, about must be about 7 o'clock, 7 p.m. now. It's cool. Cool and a little bit cool and windy. But a very constructive day. So it's probably around midday or something early afternoon for you. And so I will uh, return the no purpose call and wish you well on Monday. As you can hear, my reach is international. First England, now Australia. How divine is the divine Miss M? <sighs> I love that woman, and she's still keeping it real. Do you know that song, um, I Never Talk to Strangers, that she and Tom Waits do together? It's one of my favourite old-time songs. But yeah, oh, I felt like I've grown old very quickly. And I tell you, it sucks, <laughs> the physical side of things. But perspective-wise, yeah, definitely, it's, it's good. And even having more time to reflect on things has been uh, life-enhancing, I'd say, mostly. And I keep my head on straight and don't grow catastrophizing about shit. <laughs> anyway, Mark, wonderful to listen to your station as always. Bye for now. Doors closing. is next. Doors open on the right at Fullerton. Transfer to Brown Line Trains at Fullerton. Mark, I've been out most of the day. I just got back from counselling. And so there I was, scrolling through your station, and I thought, if I could relate you to a filing system, you would be the most accurate filing system in the world. You would, it would just be so simple to find anything. Because your, your station is just so ordered. So ordered. It's great. It's sort of like the opposite of mine, which is the equivalent of, I don't know, 
tipping a rubbish bin or what do you call them in American? Trash can. Tipping a trash can upside down in the middle of your living room and everything being everywhere. That's my station. Whereas your station is the, um, I don't know, the neatly packed package that comes perfectly ready. Oh, Simon, you're so very kind. I really appreciate it. I try. But your station is filled with such a variety of great content always. And you get a lot of listeners, a lot of traffic. I do not. I mean, despite my having been here for a very long time, I get a handful, literally, on a good day. So that says something. So, you know, I don't think you were planning to change, but keep doing what you're doing because it's working, at least for me. Mr. Ward, this is Brian over here at My Mental Download. I am curious if you could expound on your position on happiness uh, as it is, is it some switch that I just need to turn on? I am very curious as to uh, where you stand on this. I'd like a little more because I can give you six things that are that were uh, good that have happened, uh, but uh, not my brain does not always work that way as someone who suffers from severe depression. So I, I'm curious to see where you stand on this issue. Thank you. Hey, Brian, thanks for the call. It's good to hear from you. A switch. I wish. I wish that it was a switch that you could just turn on, don't you? I do believe this, though. I believe that it is a muscle that needs to be built. So as opposed to looking at it as a switch, I look at it as a door that needs to be opened before there is any real possibility of it getting in. Now, it's important to preface, as I'm sure most of you are well aware, I am not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist, I am not a doctor. And the challenge is clearly greater for those who suffer from chemical imbalances and clinical issues. And yet, I believe that there are a few things that are applicable, potentially helpful to all people. If you limit happiness to potential circumstances, it will be fleeting at best. And, you know, it becomes a luck of the draw. So if you want greater happiness in your life, you have to make it an objective. You have to really want it. You have to do the work to create the space for it. You have to also believe that it can happen for you. Now, the way that you do that certainly is not one size fits all. But in my experience and working with people over the years, there are some disciplines that I have found to be very helpful in that capacity because a large part of this thing that is called happiness for many people is affected, influenced, curtailed, and prevented by this lens through which we see the world, right? Glass half empty, glass half full. So part of the work I would suggest is reprogramming the brain to see more of what is than what is not. And as you know, the way that we think affects the way that we feel, the way that we respond, the way that we behave. So it is possible to shift the paradigm. Now, depending on where we fall on that spectrum, it can take a lot of concentrated effort. I know it did for me. It is work, like physical training for a marathon 
One of the things that I subscribe to, as an example, is the power of the gratitude journal, right? Listing five things for which you are grateful specific to that day, each night before you go to bed. Not, I'm grateful for my family, but things that are specific to the day. Like, I am so grateful that Brian bought me that delicious steak dinner. I love that Brian cleaned the house. It has to be a discipline that is never skipped, like brushing your teeth. You do it no matter what. Even if you don't get home until 3 a.m., you do it. Another thing that I recommend on top of this is a regular volunteer schedule where you are serving those who have a need that you do not, where you are reminded not only of the gifts that you have to share, but of those who don't have the same luxuries. Listen, there's a whole litany of exercises which I have found that can be very effective in shifting that paradigm. And over time, I have found that these things can truly make a discernible difference. Now, one of the greatest challenges with depression, in my opinion, and I'm speaking of one who has been depressed but not clinically depressed, is that often when you become depressed, your life off, it becomes very insular very me-focused, which is understandable, right? Because you have to find the will and energy to simply function at the most basic level. It's a beast that will feed upon itself if you allow it. So the person has to believe that happiness is possible for them and be willing to do anything in the name of possibility to create it. Now, in my work, when I have a client that has clinical issues, before I will work with them, they need to be working with a therapist, a doctor, etc. Because my work is not about cause. My work is about what you want to create going forward and how we can best facilitate that process for you. And this is not to suggest that you're going to move from depression to joy in the short term, right? But it's about moving you up the emotional ladder one rung at a time so that you continue to create the space for healthier emotions so that the potential for happiness exists so that we can actually create it so that in that shift you begin to see that the pothole is not the road it's simply a bump along the way I hope that helped. And on a slightly different note I do find it kind of interesting how often your gift can also be your shadow. You know, I was a person who, for the majority of my life, was a glass half empty kind of person. It made me very good professionally at what I did and what I still do from time to time. I was able to go into an organization and immediately find holes, find gaps, do a gap analysis, right? Find inefficiencies, ineffectiveness in process in performance and productivity. It was second nature to me. It's what I would see first. Now that may be great professionally, but it was huge shadow for my personal life, right? When you always are sort of attuned to what is not as opposed to what is. It did not make me the most joyful person. So about 17 years ago, I think it was, I started the gratitude journal. I was sort of an experiment, somewhat begrudgingly, very sarcastic. Um, skeptical is probably a better word. 
but I was committed. So I did it every day without fail. And for me, it took almost two years. It was over a year and a half of doing this every single day without fail, that there was a shift. And it was a shift that was noted by other people before I even noticed it. People that had been in my life for quite a while began to say, wow, you, what have you done? You have really changed. My energy was different. My demeanor was different. People said my appearance was even different, that I appeared lighter. And I was lighter. And then I began to notice it myself. I began to notice that I was starting to notice what is before I focused on what was not. For me, it was a powerful shift.